Hello lovelies. Once again, this is Why Did I Write That? Uh, this is the seventh diary. We're on episode four. Um, right now, I think we just got to Warsaw in our travels. Uh, and we're jumping back in Sunday, September 13th, 2009. We set the alarm this morning because we had to check out by 11. Also, we hope to catch some breakfast. The last of the milk was poured as we entered the common room, so cereal was out. MK managed to nap the last two pieces of cheese, which he combined with the cucumber we had to make a sandwich. I had toast with marmalade. We did buy bread at that little store last night, though, so we can make our own sandwiches as we go. We just need to pick up cheese, tomato, etc. We checked out of the hostel and traveled on our merry way <laughs> to the train station and booked our spots on the next train to Krakow. At 12.45, we had about an hour and a half wait, but no biggie. At least we got to dump our packs and sit for a time. Although our seat reservation numbers were consecutive, we had to sit across the aisle and staggered from one another. I was stuck sitting next to an old man who seemed less than pleased that the seat next to him was filled. The one time he got up to use the bathroom, it took him probably five minutes each time getting in and out of his seat. The lack of pleasant company allowed me to finish my book, though. The hostel that we had booked, Atlantis Hostel, Atlantis Hostel, sorry, was about a half-hour walk from the train station. The map needed to be consulted often because the street names here are crazy, usually with far too many consonants, the majority of which are K, C, and Z. We were pleased to discover that this hostel provides free internet. The lack of what passes for breakfast was a fine trade-off for, oh, for the luxury of free internet. We got a few groceries and once in our room made some sandwiches of cheese, tomato, cucumber, tomato, tomato paste, and cold penne. Delicious. Mmm, sounds disgusting. <laughs> for the rest of the evening, we decided to walk to the mound. The girl at reception told us that it had a good view of the city and was a memorial to, to a local hero. We took a path down along the river into the old town. From there, a walking path took us up, 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 until we came across some large castle building. Not being able to read Polish, we weren't able to tell what it was, or if it was the mound. We walked around in its courtyard, but it seemed fairly evident that it was closed. We exited an opposite way that we had entered, and looking up, we saw it was what was unmistakable as the mound. Quite literally, just a mound of earth with grass growing, and a swirling path leading to its summit. We tried a few approaches before finding the entrance to the path, and decided that 8PLN was worth it to climb to the top, since we had come all this way. Round and round the mound we went, until finally reaching the peak. The view was great. Not quite 360 degrees of the city, there were dark hills to the rear, all lit up with the night. It would have been great to see in the daylight, but was also spectacular at night. My camera's battery died, so I only managed to get a few shots from the top and none of the actual mound itself. Then we descended and picked up a bottle of red wine and some instant noodles for a late dinner. Since no one else had checked into our four-bunk room, we pushed two of the beds together to make a cozy love nest that we could cuddle in. Ew. <laughs> September 14th. Since this hostel doesn't offer any breakfast, we went to find a bagel place that was advertised on one of those mini discount cards after sleeping in and showering. Once finding the street it was on, I noticed on the back of the card that it was closed on Mondays. Drat! However, we also had some cards for a couple of vegetarian restaurants near the Market Square, so we decided to, have to head to one of those. The one, we end up, the one we ended up at was called Barvega Vegetariansky. 
Immediately, we fell in love with the quaint and homey decorations, and once seeing the food, we were hooked. It was basically a cross between the cornerstone and with the grain, with all vegetarian food and several vegan options. MK ordered something that was made with potatoes, spinach, vegetables, and had a fried egg on top, all coated with mushroom sauce. He also ordered a side of rice, which by its yellow appearance we assumed was curried, but turned out to be very sweet with raisins, apples, and kiwi. I got a casserole with pasta, mushrooms, vegetables, cheese, and also covered with mushroom sauce. Yum. They were both so good that we couldn't stop talking about it while we were eating, as well as for some time afterwards. In, in like, when you're comparing it to the cold penne and tomato paste sandwiches we had the night before, which was a big luxury, we agreed to go back there tomorrow before leaving Krakow. Instead of waiting for the remaining hour and a half before our tour of Auschwitz, we decided to come back to our room to digest and continue relishing in the delightful deliciousness of our breakfasts. Also, the weather had cooled, so we wanted to get sweaters and possibly pants. The tour bus picked us up at three and drove us to Auschwitz. Oh, to Auschwitz one. There, we donned headsets to hear our guide. For someone giving a tour in English, she certainly had a thick, hardly understandable accent. Oh, that's such like a anglo-centric view of everything like oh, i can't believe i'm in poland and i don't get like a guide in my preferred accent this is ridiculous we saw rooms that had piles of hair shoes clothing combs hair and toothbrushes suitcases with people's names on them prayer shawls etc all things taken from the prisoners as they entered auschwitz we saw cells with drawings and words etched in the walls and doors, as well as standing cells, a box about two feet squared, which held four prisoners standing only. The only source for air was from tiny holes near the ceiling, so many of them died from asphyxiation. We saw the death wall, where many Jews were shot, as well as gallows, where public hangings occurred to warn others of the dangers of helping people escape slash keeping contacts in the outside world. We walked through one of the gas chambers where up to 700 prisoners were crammed and Cyclone B was dropped through small holes in the ceiling. The crematoriums housed there could only burn about 350 bodies per day, so they began burning masses of bodies in the open air. We saw separate houses for women with barbed wire fences 10 feet tall surrounding them and the hospitals where doctors conducted experiments on twins and on and a fertility on women. I was surprised to learn that the warehouses where the SS officers stored the belongings of the prisoners were called Canada because of the riches they held, and because of the gold rush in Canada at the time. Officers also took random food that they found in the bags and put in the soups for the prisoners, but sometimes other things, like lighters, would end up in there, so they took to calling it surprise soup. There were photos everywhere of the prisoners, many of which had flowers or crosses displayed for them. Next, we traveled to Auschwitz II, Birkenau. This facility had the train tracks still running through it that the prisoners were brought in on, and then sorted men versus women and children, and then determined who was useful to work. About 70% straight, went straight to the gas chambers. Most of the bunkhouses had been burned down, and all that remained was a sea of brick chimneys. We went into one that had been re reconstructed, and learned that each bunkie originally built to house 52 horses was used to sleep some 400 men, three bunks deep. If you were on the bottom bunk, everyone else's diarrhea and refuse would drip down on you. Oh. The bathrooms were long slabs of concrete with some 100 holes in it. Your time at the loo was limited, especially if a bully, common criminals, decided they wanted you gone. 
The chimneys in the bunkies had names etched on them, as did the heating slab that ran the length of the bunkie. It was crazy to see all of the sites firsthand that history's told us about, but at the same time, it felt strange that there were now paid tours tramping all over the memories of these people, and the structures of torture were still stand. I'm not sure how I feel about the whole thing. Once returning to our hostel at about nine, we got some vodka to accompany the orange juice we had bought earlier. When in Poland... We finished it and tried unsuccessfully to meet up with Agnes, MK's Polish friend. We went for a wander for a couple of hours, but the drunken MK rambling about it being midnight on a Monday did nothing to improve our chances of finding the pierogies that MK so desperately sought. Eventually, we went to bed. Whew, that's a heavy little excursion there. September 15th. We awoke to the alarm at 9.15 to check out at 10. Checking my emails, I learned that the girls we had contacted in hopes of getting a drive to Prague had found other passengers who were going more in their direction, so we were SOL on that count. Going to the train station, we missed the train to Prague by about three minutes, so we had to wait another, another 10 hours until 10.15 for the overnight train. Locking our bags at the train station, we again wandered the city. We found some pizza, pierogies, and beer for lunch, and then had a nice park to sit in and relax while killing a few more hours. MK played with the camera, and I filled more in more of this journal. More aimless wandering. We had dinner, pierogies and pizza, and some drinks, and then headed to the train station. The train was an overnighter, which meant that we got bunk beds. We had booked a six-person car, but we were the only ones in there, which meant that we, which meant that we had a go at having sex on a moving train. Epic. Glad I brought earplugs, though. The train is noisy. Oh. September 16th. Sleeping on a train wasn't so bad. I managed to get a little bit of sleep. Earplugs were my savior, but still woke up occasionally and at stops. The conductor woke us up with half an hour until our stop so that we had time to get dressed, pack, and ready ourselves for exit. Once in the Prague Central Station, finding a map was tough. We went to the info desk, but they didn't have any maps. <laughs> then in parentheses, I've got question mark, what the hell? Question mark. <laughs> They told us that we had to go to the tourist center, but there were no signs pointing out where that was. The guy at the info booth had vaguely pointed, so we walked to the end of a seemingly dead-end hallway and found the tourist center tucked in a little nook. It didn't open until 8 o'clock, so we had half an hour to kill. MK went to find a WC. I'm so European now, <laughs> calling it the WC. Well, I sat with our packs outside the tourist center. Once the girl got there to open up, we had to pay for the map. Bollocks. <laughs> The guys ahead of us got theirs for free because they had booked their hostel through the center. Exiting the train station, we perused the map to figure out A, where we were, and B, where we were going, and C, how to get there. <laughs> A gentleman stopped and eagerly asked us if we needed any help finding directions. Turns out he had just returned from visiting relatives in Canada, BC and Toronto. We told him where we were going, and he told us that the underground metro was the best way, and that he was traveling that way now, so he could show us how to use it. We politely thanked him, but said that we'd take the walk. Didn't look too bad. He gave us some advice about where it was easiest to cross the highway, and off we went. The walk turned out only to be about half an hour. It would have been silly to take transit. Our hostel, Midtown Hostel, had barely any signage, just a printout on the door of a building saying to buzz for a reception. We did so, and the receptionist told us that the office was on the second floor. I suppose they don't count ground floor, because by my calculations, the office was really on the third floor. <laughs> we were told that our room would be ready at 11, a two-hour wait. We left our bags and took a stroll around the city, seeing some beautifully ornate churches, fountains, and statues. 
We returned to the hostel about noon after getting some pizza and realized that we got lucky again. A four-person room all to ourselves. After a shower in a tub, there's no actual shower here, just a big tub with a handheld nozzle that has no pressure. I can overlook that though, since the bathroom is huge, beautifully tiled, and has a bidet. (laughs) We tried to nap for a couple of hours. MK was mildly successful, I was not. The hostel has no real kitchen, just a small fridge, a kettle, a microwave, and a counter. But it does have a jar of Nutella, and one of a mixture of Nutella and white chocolate wonderful. We spread the latter on a bun and went looking for internet and absinthe. <laughs> I feel like that is a good, that would be a good um, title for like a memoir or something. You know, the search for internet and absinthe. MK found a shop that sold tons of it and after much deliberation settled on a bottle. We found an internet cafe and booked our, pla- our plane tickets to Milan and then to Rome. Woohoo! We had no luck finding an actual grocery store, just little convenience stores everywhere that sell packaged things and lots of snack foods and sweets. We settled with a frozen pizza that we could heat in the microwave with red pepper to put on it and also found some instant noodle soups to eat tomorrow. I've been looking for a bra. I only brought two and I'm I'm realizing my mistake. So we found a Triumph shop. Oh, Triumph is like, yeah, like a lingerie shop over there, I guess. I tried a few on, but they were each about a thousand kroner, about 60 bucks Canadian, so I left it for now. Returning to the hostel, we heated our dinner and ate it, and MK had a few burning shots of absinthe. He wanted to do our dishes, oh, he went to do our dishes, and they returned to tell me that he had met some fellow hostelers, a trio of Portuguese fellows. We brought the absinthe to their room and sat around with them for some time, listening to the doors, drinking red wine, smoking a bit of pot, and just chatting. Ricardo, Federico, and Diego were in the kitchen. The rece- were in a kitchen. The receptionist had boasted that they were in a room with a kitchen, when truly they were in a kitchen with beds. <laughs> they did have a stove, though. They asked what we were planning for the evening, and when we told them we weren't sure, they invited us to go out with them to a bar that they had found, the Chapeau Rouge. We agreed. The absinthe was passed between MK, Diego, and Federico until it was finished, and we headed out. The Chapeau Rouge turned out to be a three-floor three floor hole filled with smoke and loud music. I got MK and I each a pint of local beer oh, that Greg S. had recommended, and we followed the three boys from the, main, from the main floor bar to the lower floor filled with oh, a dance floor and smoke. Shortly, they wanted to get some fresh air, so we made to ascend, but then found instead a third lower level with a DJ and a drummer and a little less smoke and stifling heat. MK, having had more than his fair share of absinthe, especially after being drunk after only two shots of the stuff, decided that we had to leave. (laughs) Classic, classic move. I apologized to the boys and we made our way out of the bar. MK was in no shape to navigate us. He could barely navigate his own footsteps. So So I was handed the map. MK was drunk and argumentative, criticizing my navigation skills and doubting everything I told him. Despite his lack of faith, I got us back to the hostel, where he promptly passed out in the middle of our double double bed, fully clothed and atop all of our blankets. I brushed my teeth, wrote a note to the Portuguese guys, thanking and apologizing to them, and left our names and email addresses so that we can hopefully keep in touch. I slid it under their door, and then dug some other blankets out to cover MK and myself, and went to sleep. (sighs) This is... 
I, w- I was a little bit um, reticent to read these travel journals because I know that this is the sort of shit that happens mostly in them. Um, just like M. Gay being a bit of a dick and me like sort of trying to cover up for him and smooth the way after the havoc that he causes. So anyway, on that cheery note, uh, I'm going to end this episode.